You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into Crunch Time here on your Thursday. Puxatani Phil said six more weeks of winter? Well, in Southwest Louisiana, we're kind of okay with that. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS. Fiber producer and co-host is Mr. Mames Jesh. James, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Doing good. You know who I just thought about it. Do you know who the 49ers should go get a quarterback? Who should the 49ers go get a quarterback? Pock Birdie. Oh my God. That's <laughs> that's a good one too. So James and I have this thing where we take sports figures or, or really people in general. Yeah, because we'll, we we'll, we'll do it with like Jay Walker as well. We'll, we'll switch the the first letter of their names and you know make it opposite and whatever. And I got a meme a little bit ago. It said that the 49ers were looking for bomb tradey to to come be their new quarterback, and I mean we've we've come up with some good ones. We have come up with some good ones. But no, James. The real question is this: Brujeries. It's a good. That's, that's it's, a, it, it's really good. It's really good. Wayjocker. Oh my god. Bucks Tiny Phil, mm-hmm. aka it's Groundhog Day. Yes. He saw his shadow. He Six more weeks of winter. The question is... I'm not are, mad at it. I was about to say, are you okay with it? No, because I like putting on extra clothing, and if I end up getting hot, guess what? I could just take it off to That's cool the down. Thing. That's the thing. Are you a summer or a winter person? I'm a winter person. Because, because then I can put on however many amount of I clothes. I can make myself comfortable in the winter. In the summer, I can only take off so many clothes. And then I'm still uncomfortable because it's too dang hot down here. Now, today's weather, for exi- for instance, existence, no, for instance, do away with the rain and it's perfect. But this cold and rainy crap, that can go away. But if it's just cold, I'm fine with it. it it's the rain. It, it's already a wet cold. And now you're just making it more wet, and it's gross. Like, no, don't do not do that. But, so yeah, six more weeks of winter, not complaining about it. Um, looking at some top stories in sports, of course. So there's been reports that the Saints are looking to hire a new defensive coordinator now that they've parted ways with Chris Richard. They are interviewing former Cleveland Browns defensive coordinator Joe Woods, who is 52 years old and he has been coaching for the last 26 years. He has spent some time with the Browns, Niners, Broncos, Raiders, Vikings, Bucks, and then even in the college ranks at Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, and most the closest spot would be Northwestern State. He was linebacker's coach for the Demons back in 1994. 
So he has worked with Dennis Allen in the past. Uh, he was the defensive backs coach for the Raiders in 2014. That was the year that Dennis Allen lasted four games for Oakland before that he was canned. Now, you look at you look at Joe Woods. He does have a Super Bowl on his resume. He was on the Denver Broncos coaching staff when they won Super Bowl 50. So you could say that the guy knows how to win. He's got experience winning. Um, I mean, you, you that, at, that was a that was a pretty good secondary for the Broncos. It was, it's pretty, it was, and he, and he and he was the secondary's coach. Yeah. So look, I've I've got this mentality. You know, people people like to focus on who the coach is. I could care less who the coach is. As long as you do a good job. It could be some 25-year-old defensive line third assistant that you decided to promote. If he does a good job, I don't care. Or it could be Rob Ryan again. If he does a good job, I don't care. Some people focus way too much on the name and... No, I just want you to come in and do a good job. Stop some offenses. Help the offense score some points. Defense score some points every now and again. Like, we're rolling. We're good. So we'll see what the Saints decide to do there. Obviously, you know, they're going to interview multiple people on that front before they make their final decision. But let's go to the hotline now, 337-706-0111-T. What's up? Hey, Matt. Doing all right, buddy? Yes, sir. How are you? Good. I got a question for you. Okay. And James. Okay. And then a question for you. Okay. Okay. You you were speaking about, uh, you know, y'all wanted more cold weather. Have you ever hit a baseball when it's real cold? I sure have. That is not a pleasant experience. James? I have. It's not the best, but I mean, I'm going to make do with what I can. Okay. Well, we don't need six more weeks of winter. Because <laughs> baseball is upon us, bro. It is. And I'm, I am so excited. That's why they got those extra nice padded gloves nowadays, though. Oh, yeah, but you still have to swing the bat. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and it stings. You're not wrong about that. You're not wrong. Okay, Matt. My next question is for you, buddy. Okay. How in the world did you not answer in 20 questions, James? Is- <laughs> <laughs> I want to know that. I mean, what were you? Where were you? Uh, were you high? Were you something? <laughs> I'm going to be real with you, T. I, I, I had totally forgotten that Calvin Ridley was dealt to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dude, so the I'm name like, the name Calvin I, Ridley I never once this. crossed my mind. <laughs> never once crossed my mind. <laughs> All right, guys. We love y'all show, man. Y'all enjoy it. Appreciate you, T. That's funny. Don't worry. I've I've been talking about this NHL video all week. You got out of it today because we had a mandatory work meeting. Tomorrow, you tomorrow it's on. I hope I just hope you're ready. Cuz I've already got a player in mind. I do. <laughs> I've got a player ready to roll.
You so, just you want your revenge so bad. I do. You just I want do. you just want me to get this wrong so bad. I do. I really, really do. It's gonna be quite fun. It's gonna be a Joe Schmo. It's gonna be quite fun to watch you get get it wrong. So apparently, the NFL Pro Bowl is beginning the Pro Bowl games tonight, James, and it is getting. Mixed reviews before it even begins. I've seen some people posting on Twitter that they would rather just do away with the Pro Bowl altogether. Just not even have it be a thing. Play the Super Bowl a week after the Conference Championship games and just call it a day. No. I, I've heard... No, I've, the game the, the game itself... I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it would work with flag football. I'm intrigued to see how it is because also the field is 50 yards, so all the, the quarterbacks could be fading into the end zone, still throw it to the other end zone. Correct. So that that'll be fun to see. It's some backyard football. Who doesn't love some backyard football? I'm curious to see how that works. And I've always liked the games. I liked watching like the quarterback to wide receiver thing where they have to catch it as a, a certain way when they had to kind of make almost like an around the world type of thing. But football wise, I liked the. I like the dodgeball. The dodgeball was really cool. Having an epic comeback by Jarvis Landry to help the AFC. Yeah. That was cool. I liked the kicker tic-tac-toe. That one was I really liked that one a lot. So a lot of these games I just wish they would do more of. Not necessarily having a full-time game because we've seen a whole bunch of other stuff like the dunk contest. And I mean, those are okay, but I feel like having these new games where you're coming up with creative ways to use a football. And having like a point system where the quarterbacks throw it at targets, I, I think this is all cool, and I like seeing it. So the way they're going to do it is it, it starts tonight. They're going to have dodgeball, a lightning round, precision passing. They're going to start the best catch competition tonight, and then they're going to do the longest drive competition, which is going to be a golf thing uh, to see who can drive the golf ball the farthest. Those events are tonight, and then from there, points will be earned. Each The winning conference in each skill competition will earn three points towards the first flag football game on Sunday. The winner of each flag football game will get six points, and then however it adds up, there's going to be a third kick, uh, a third game of flag football where the scores that add up from all those challenges, that's how the game will begin. So it could be 28-21 in favor of the NFC when the game starts, and that's just what the score is going to be. So interested to see how, how they plan to do that. Let's go back to the game hotline now. Martin, what's up? What's going on, buddy? How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, so I heard y'all talking about the Pro Bowl or whatnot, you know, and – you know, I'm not gonna. I probably won't be watching. I mean, it's flag football. You know, now this is what, and I'd like to hear your your take on it. This is what I'd like to see happen with the Pro Bowl. Put some meaning behind it again, and play it the week after the Super Bowl. Okay, and the conference that wins it gets home field advantage in the next year's Super Bowl. Now. Yes, that would get rid of the, the like the neutral, you know, home game or you know the neutral side Super Bowls. But I think that would make it a little bit more interesting. 
you know, I mean, let's say a team like Buffalo or somebody would, you know, be in the Super Bowl and, you know, it'd be in Buffalo. You know, I understand the weather factor and all this kind of stuff, but, I mean, at least it would bring a little bit more meaning, behind, you know, watching the, you know, the Super Bowl. I mean, kind of make it like the MLB, you know. The team that wins that, that the, the division gets home field advantage in Game 7 of the World Series if it comes down to it, you know. But that's that's my opinion, you know, and uh, that's all I got. Thanks for taking my call, buddy. Appreciate the call, Martin. I'm going to have to disagree. Baseball, you know, it's a seven-game series, so I get that they would split it between two stadiums. But, man, the Super Bowl is supposed to be a spectacle. It is supposed to be this big, overdrawn party with an elaborate halftime show and the crazy commercials that cost millions of dollars. Like, that's all part of it. And I just feel like it's it's a good idea in theory, but I feel like if the Super Bowl was played at a team's home stadium, it takes some of that away because then it's just kind of a home game for said team. Now, does that give them home field advantage? Sure. But then it's not as much of a... It's not, it doesn't feel like the Super Bowl anymore at that point. At least, that's my opinion. James, do you have anything to, to add to that? I mean, I'm on the same side as you. I think having a neutral site, that would take away like whatever kind of home field advantage. Like If it ends up being like how it was with the Buccaneers, then that's just kind of how it falls. But I feel like having a predetermined spot of where the Super Bowl is going to be, that way the stadium can kind of be on their kind of tiptoes or yep. like be be on their best behavior and making sure like everything is good throughout the season. I think is a good thing. I don't think like being like, "Oh, oh, it's going to be in Arrowhead this time because the Chiefs are hosting it because they have the better record." Uh, I I just prefer I could see it either way, uh, but I don't really see a need to change and make make a drastic change like that. I yeah. think just just keeping it how it is, keeping it as a neutral site is a good thing in my eyes. I don't see an issue with having and needing to make a force change to where whoever of the two has the, like the better record gets the home field advantage. Now, cor- because then you get really ticky tacky with things. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The Pro Bowl used to be after the Super Bowl. Correct? Was it not the week after? I want to say at one point it was. I'll have to look into that because, again, I, I really think that it was at one point the week after the Super Bowl rather than in between like it is now. But let's take a time out when we return. We'll continue this conversation, look at some more top stories, and at 4.30 we bring you a conversation with Raging Cajuns softball head coach Jerry Glasgow right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than some cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. Score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab, and you'll be on your way to winning $500 in a Visa gift card. It's the game Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's that simple, and it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, James. Let's look at the eight Pro Bowl game and determine who out of me and you would win if it was like a one-on-one thing. Okay. Let's do this. All right. So tonight, they've got five events. First is dodgeball. Me. Oh, come on. No. You, you can't be that confident oh, in dude, your dodgeball. I, dude, I am very confident in my dodgeball skills. I I disagree. But I all all I when I worked at Surge down well, over this, there, oh, this man shouting out Drew Brees. When I when I worked at Surge, that's all I did because I was in I was in the trampoline part. All I did was play dodgeball. That's all I would do. This cat. I actually got yelled at by parents because I kept hitting their kids. <laughs> okay, what about the Pro Bowl lightning round? Oh, it's that one. It is a three part elimination challenge featuring twenty players from each conference. That one seems a little tricky because I'm not quite sure, you know, what they do in that event. But this one, the longest drive, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Golf? Oh, dude, I'm waxing you in golf. A longest drive competition? You you have no chance. Zero. What if you just absolutely shank it? It's still going farther than this. <laughs> Whether it goes to the right or the left, it's still going farther. Oh, okay. It, I've never played golf. The so. accuracy might not be there, but the distance is going to be there, baby. Not if it hits a tree and just shanks right back. That's just, that, that would just be unfortunate accurate. for you. That's accurate. Actually, uh, I'll tell the story in a second. Let's go to the hotline. Frank, what's up? Oh, not too much. How y'all been, boy? Oh, fantastic, sir. What you got? Well, I'm sorry I hadn't called in a while. I've been working harder than an ugly stripper, so uh, life is pretty hectic right now. <laughs> But, uh, no, I'm going to have to go, and, go ahead and agree with James that he would whoop you in every category. Uh, you Whoa. lock yourself out your own household. Uh, Whoa! So, yes, Frank. Uh, my, my, I mean, I didn't mean to, you know, uh, pour salt on an old wound, but, I mean, I, I got to give it to the boy. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> as far as uh, what I'm going to say next, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I actually agree with Martin somewhat. Uh, I do think they need to put meaning behind the Pro Bowl because, I mean, what is it, 75, 80% of the players opt out and just don't don't have anything to do with it because it means nothing. Maybe have the winner of the Pro Bowl, their division uh, the following year, <clears throat> definitely host the Super Bowl in a stadium relatively close to the NFC divisional winner. Like, say, for example, New Orleans wins the division and represents the NFC in the Pro Bowl. The, the, in the Super Bowl, the uh, hosting stadium would be Atlanta. I could get behind that. I mean, I, it's, it's an AFC, it's an NFC plus. I mean, it's within the division. It's, it's still a neutral. Know. It's still a neutral site game, but the winning conference gets to choose where it is. I could get behind that. And it's not necessarily a home game, so both teams can travel, you know, and and basically all the Super Bowl is is not even so much about a neutral site, it's about ticket sales. Correct. You know, which 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 tickets are gonna drum up the most business and for for, you know, Super Bowl, I mean, 
it's going to drum up business, but they're expensive as all get out. That's a, that's a good one. I mean, yeah, like let's not, say let's say the Saints do somehow represent the NFC, and then they win they win the division like you had said. I mean, Atlanta that'd be a good one since it's a brand new stadium for them. So that's how they would generate it because a lot of people would want to go see the new stadium. Not to mention that Saints tra- Saints fans travel well. Um, yeah, they 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 do spend money because they like beer and beignets. So <laughs> that is that is well, that, I appreciate that is a true statement. I said that is a very true statement. Yes, well, I've been around Saints fans all my life, and uh, them boys can they they can pack it down. Yeah, no no doubt about it, Frank. Appreciate yeah, you like calling, man. As always, hey, hey, thank you, Bubba. So, going back to the longest drive thing, you you, you talk about shanking it off a tree, right? Yeah, I kid you not. Did you do that? Cross my heart, Scouts honor, all all the <laughs> stuff. Peaky promise. I shanked the drive. Okay. Mm-hmm. It bounces off one tree, flies across the hole, hits another tree, and lands in the fairway. <laughs> now, it only went about 125 yards. <laughs> on a it drive. didn't go far. On a drive. But it landed in the fairway. I was down the middle, baby. I mean, we're good. Doesn't matter how we got there as long as we it, got it, there. Right. <laughs> we're good. I'll be honest. I, I've i never really drove before. The one time we did a driving range, I don't have my own clubs. That's the worst part of my game, that and putting. The two most important parts of golf. The two parts I suck at the most. <laughs> that middle part, I got it. But, hey, the fairway, we're good. We're golden. No, but I remember I was. we were doing a drive. We were doing a driving range uh, near my house. Uh, they didn't. I don't have any of my own clubs, and they didn't have any drivers for lefties. So oh, I nice. just had to use like a, like a nine iron just to nice. hit. I'm like... You What's see, the point? and you're you're <laughs> at an advantage as a lefty. Your clubs are much cheaper. I bet because they're much cheaper. They're not as prominent, right? That much cheaper, like hundred and fifty dollar difference in the price of a driver. Cause, it is because yeah, I'm going. I'm going this way. Going. It is. It is insane how expensive of a hobby the game of golf is. But I like. I believe that I could hit it farther if I hit it right, but. Ultimately, I don't have really an experience driving, so I have no idea. So I can't definitively say I would hit farther than you. So I, I'd say that one, that one's a, kind of a gray area. Precision passing. Ooh, interesting. That would be a good one between you and I. I think we both have pretty tight spirals. That would be. Yeah, and I and that my would dad be, played high school. That would be a good competition. Quarterback. So I got a little bit of QB in me. This one you would beat me. Best catch. Probably. You'd beat me in that one. Probably. I'll give you that one. Uh, the gridiron gauntlet relay race, you would beat me in that yeah. so I'm um, a, So I'm at the worst up three to one. I would probably get you in kick tac toe. Yeah. How far are we kicking from? Uh, 25 <laughs> yards. Because I can't. Oh, that's like my absolute max. Yeah, 25 yards. <laughs> we maybe? better lower that tic tac toe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't kick it super high. I don't have a lot of height. You can have that one. So again, looking at the schedule dodgeball, lightning round, longest drive, precision passing, and half of the best catch competition will be tonight. And then on Sunday, they will do the second half of best catch, gridiron gauntlet, kick-tack-toe, move the chains, and then the flag football tournament. How would you do the, um, what was the other one? The move the chains? Uh, let's see, what's the what's the description? Move the chains is a superhuman strength with move the chain challenge. Each player will have to pull a weighted wall 10 yards down the field using nothing but first down chains. God. Okay. It, so basically, like the the guys that pull the 
yeah, the, the eighteen the, wheelers with the little rope, mm-hmm. kind something similar to that. You'd, you'd just pro- use the chains. You'd probably have me on that. Probably, probably, unless depending on how good my leverage is. I have. I, I don't have, know. I have a ton of lower body strength. So, so um, you you might get three on me. Yeah, maybe. So actually, a closer competition than most people believe. Take that, Frank. Five three. I guess you could say would be my prediction. You win three of them. Hey, if I win 40% of them, two out of five ain't bad, man. Two out of five ain't bad. It's not bad. It's it's five. It's eight total. Correct. But if you round it, eight, 12, it's 37.5%. Round it up to 40. I mean, I guess five ain't bad. I guess I'll give you you a couple percentage. The the math is kind of math in here. I mean, it just just is. I'll allow it. Uh, I mean, you better. Or what? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, looking at the schedule tonight, McNeese and Lamar in a doubleheader. The women at 5, the men at 7.30. Speaking of doubleheaders, the Cajun Dome has a doubleheader tonight oh. for the first time this season. Everybody's um, having doubleheaders. At 5 o'clock, Gary Broadhead and the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns will host ULM. And then at 7.30, the men put their eight-game win streak and undefeated home record on the line against Texas State in a 7.30 p.m. tip-off in that one. LSU women playing Georgia tonight. You can catch it right here on the game. And then on Saturday, LSU men, they get to rematch Alabama in Pete's Palace. That'll be fun. That will be a good one. We'll take a timeout. Jerry Glasgow joins us next to preview the 2023 softball season for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hit high, hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look is Holcomb, and it's gone! Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Driven pretty well and pretty deep to left field. Going back is Varshow, looking up. See you later! Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Five four thirty-five. Excuse me. You're back on Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. We talked last week about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns softball season with Justin McLeod of Extra Inning Softball. Forty-seven and 13, 23 and four in the Sun Belt. Won their third consecutive Sun Belt regular season and tournament title last year, and made it all the way to the regional final of the Clemson Regional before falling short to the Clemson Tigers. And the message from a lot of players, especially Stormy Kotzelnik, when you left Clemson last year, is that there was a message that was undelivered. And now the Cajuns are looking to deliver that message in a statement type of way. Uh, picked to win the Sun Belt yet again. Six players placed on the preseason All Sun Belt team. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to sit down with the coach of the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns, Jerry Glasgow, to get his thoughts on his roster, the incredibly difficult schedule, and what the mindset is heading into 2023. Coach, thanks for taking the time. How are you? Doing great. Thank you for having us. So, Coach, you know, walk us through last season. You had a ton of, of underclassmen making huge impacts on your roster. Like I said, forty-seven and thirteen win the Sun Belt once again. Go to the NCAA tournament, play well against good opponents like Clemson and Auburn, and you just fell a little bit short. What's kind of the mindset, you know, this off season in preparing for 
2023? Well, you just try to get better, you know, and try to hope things that, you know, your your team improves, your team grows, your players grow. You hope you grow as coaches, and then you hope you can put together that run at the end of the year that gets you deep into postseason. And you got to avoid injuries. You know, we had our leading home run hitter and shortstop, our three-hole hitter was out with COVID. We had our our uh, freshman pitcher, Sam Landry, 20-3, out with COVID. So that was kind of a, a unexpected thing that happened during the regional, and we still made it to the championship game, but we didn't get to where we wanted to be. And so we also have to avoid those type of situations this year. You know, talking about the, the underclassmen making an impact, looking at, at your lineups last year, there was only a handful of occasions where you know, you had upperclassmen playing. At one point, there was only two upperclassmen in the entire lineup. Talk about, you know, getting that youthful experience early and how that's kind of helped develop and progress your players for this year. Yeah, last year was what I considered a uh, a year that we wanted to develop and increase depth in our, in our um, locker room or roster, so to speak. And so we played a lot of we played a lot of people, a lot of young kids. I think we got all of the freshmen 60, 70 at bat minimum, and they all hit over 300. Uh, I think it was seven of them. And so we got them all. Basically, you figure three at bats a game. We got those kids all approximately 20 college games as a freshman. And I, I you know, I basically ran a platoon all year. With a with the freshman to just keep putting them out there, putting because I wanted to get them all experienced and bring them back this year as somewhat more of a veteran team, and and so that I think that'll help us this year. But this year is not the same outlook for me. Like I'm not looking at this as a year to build for the future. I'm looking at this year as the year, and we want to put it together. So uh, you know, hopefully those kids, the experience they gained will, will benefit them. And then, you know, we may not we may not play quite as many different rotations. We may we may end up playing more because we've got the depth to do whatever we want to do. It's just how we feel we win, and and how the season starts and how it develops will tell us the the type of lineups I want to write each day. You know, looking at your schedule for twenty twenty three, coach, it, it doesn't start you know very easy. You have the the Louisiana Classic with Stephen F. Austin Lafayette College. And but then you know the week after you travel to Clearwater, Florida, and you're going to play UCLA, Oklahoma State, Florida State, Michigan, just a, a loaded tournament over there in Clearwater, Florida. Talk about the mindset behind putting yourself in that tournament and getting your girls that level of experience so early on in the season. Yeah, it's a it's a huge opportunity for them to learn what we're you know capable of and to learn what we need to work on. And so we can come out of there with a really good understanding of, you know, how to become a better ball club and how to grow uh, in the following, what, 9, 10, 11 weeks of season. So that's a just to go right up against the very best uh, programs in the country right off the bat, it's a win-win situation for us. We're, we, you know, we're going to be – we'll have some uh, freshmen playing their first games against top 25 competition – and uh, it'll it'll be a really good learning experience for our ball club. 
Chatting with Louisiana head softball coach Jerry Glasgow here on Crunch Time. Looking at your roster, coach, obviously you were led last year by Sunbelt Player of the Year, Melissa Mayu. She's now moved on. But again, like we talked about earlier, key pieces returning for you, Maddie Hayden, Stormy Kotswinick, Alexa Langliers. You know, looking at your off Carly Heath as well, looking at your offensive lineup, who really stands out, who's had a good offseason, and who, who's really going to make an impact for you in 2023? Well, other returning players, I think they're all capable. It's whoever gets hot and, and you know, really can put it together in the, in the actual season, in the preseason here. You know, Alexa Langlers is right where she left off last year. She's just been a phenomenal hitter this spring. And, you know, the kids hit at every level. So I don't have any reason to not expect her to have a, a really strong sophomore year. She led us last year with 13 home runs and missed, uh, you know, I think a two- or three-week stretch with a, with an injury. And then the courts missed the, the regional. So... You know, she put up those stats in very limited number of at-bats. And, of course, she plays shortstop or middle infield for us. And she's definitely going to be one of our key, key players uh, of the newcomers. Maya Davis has really done a great job of adding speed to our lineup and will we'll probably start the season in center field and probably be our leadoff hitter uh, the way it's looking right now. So I expect, you know, those two kids to make a great impact. And you've got so many others like... Sophie Piscos is returning a catcher uh, and and a 350 type hitter. George Campbell's come back to Sunbelt, newcomer of the year, hit 392, I believe. Maddie Hayden was a freshman that hit 364 and an outstanding outfielder. Uh, her and Maya Davis, they're both like carbon copy almost of each other in center field, but Maddie Hayden's been coming in and playing a lot of infield for us, and we've been kind of using her as a utility player, and we'll continue to do that throughout the season. And her speed is, uh, I think she stole 28 bases last year. So you've got, you know, then you've got Taylor Roman, who's capable of uh, hitting, you know, at the 300 level like she did last year. Uh, Carly Heath led us with, uh, she was tied with Lex Lane, did the 13 home runs, and uh, a lot of speed and power from the left side. So, there's just a lot. Taylor Falkman's back as a sophomore, and she had 415 or 414 for us, and a really good, and she handles the bat well and plays a high-level outfield defense. So there's a lot of different players. It's, a lot of it will come down to who gets hot at the right time, and, and hopefully you know, we have enough players hot early that we can win some of those really tough games. And then looking at your pitching circle, Coach, it's rare that you see a softball team have three pitchers that are capable of being aces in their own right it's even rarer to have those three pitchers all return the following season talk about the advantage that you have with sam landry kandra lamb and megan shorman all returning yeah well kandra's been here now for four or five years but the unique situation last year we had a first year pitching coach who not only was first year in our program but a first year in softball with justin robichaud and I know everybody, that's a really common name among Diamond sports fans in Louisiana. But he's just an outstanding young man, and he's really doing a good job with our pitching staff. So we've got him back along with, you know, what was somewhat new. We had Megan Shorman uh, show up here on the first day of school last fall, and, and Sam Landry, first day of school, they show up, and then Justin shows up. So we had a lot of uh, interesting combination there, really a lot of rookies 
And uh, I, I did the same thing at University of Georgia when I got there in 2008 in the fall. And, and so I think we had amazing, we had 500 strikeouts. I just think the way Justin handled the staff last year was just phenomenal. You know, the pitchers won 47 games. We got all 47 wins coming back this year. And then we've added, you know, we've, we've added uh, a really good freshman in Chloe Riosetto, and we've got a redshirt sophomore, a redshirt freshman pitcher, Tyler Oob, who was here last year pitching and working, and she's really, uh, really excited me uh, this year and what she's showing in our inner squad stuff. So we're excited about where the bullpen is and the depth of the bullpen. Carter Heath is also really pitching at a high level, and, you know, last year she got she was so important to us offensively once we lost Raina O'Neill that we really kind of took her away from the pitching, had her focus on the offense. But I think we're in a position again this year we can use her wherever we need her. If we need her more on the pitching side, you know, we can take some pressure off of her on the offensive side. And vice versa, if we struggle out of the gates with the young players, then she's a veteran that can step over and, and, and will step over and her, her focus may be on the offensive side. So some of that depends on what the other, you know, the pitchers get out to a great start. We may need her on offense if she gets, if our hitters get off to a great start, we may need her in the bullpen more. But Carter, he's that talented a player. She's an elite level pitcher and an elite level hitter. And, and when she's on her game, she can really help us in a lot of ways. Coach, as we start to wrap up here, you know, at media day last week, Stormy Kotzelnik said that she felt like there was a message that was undelivered when when you guys left Clemson. Is that kind of a mantra of sorts for this team this year? Like, what's the what's the message that you want to send, not only to your opponents, but to the country as a whole, about this softball team? I just, that, that was her words. You know, I, I just want to play our best ball in May, and I want to be, I want, it's important that we can try to peak early. I think you can, you know, Texas proved last year you can get to the World Series if you play terrible in the first half of the season. But I want to play good from the beginning to the end because the, to get the, the postseason season that I would like to have, it's important that we can get some early wins against these really good teams. And that's the reason I scheduled it that way, to get experience and also to get the opportunity to possibly host a regional or even if we exceeded, you know, the expectations of most softball world, then we possibly could end up with a super regional here. So, but those are those are high expectations, and we don't know how the season will play out. My goal is just that we play as well as we can, as early in the year as we can, and most importantly, we play really well at the end of the year. Obviously, Coach Jerry Glasgow joining us here on the game hotline. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns ranked number twenty in the country. They open their twenty twenty three season at home next Friday as they host. Lafayette College and Stephen F. Austin in the Louisiana Classics Tournament at Yvette Girard Field at Lampson Park. Coach, we appreciate your time and uh, best of luck this season in 2023. Thank you so much and thank you for covering our sport so well. Really want to thank Jerry Glasgow for taking the time. Uh, Great insight into his program. You know, we talked about it in the interview, but having so many underclassmen play such a big role last year, he, he knew very well what he was doing for the future of his program. I mean, you look at the roster and, and names that jump out last year. Alexa Langliers, she's a sophomore in 2023. Stormy Kotelnik, a sophomore in 2023. Maddie Hayden, a sophomore in 2023. And then, again, going to the pitchers, that's what's even crazier. 
it's rare to have three starting pitchers in college softball. That's just not a thing. To have three starting pitchers that all started last year and have all three returned for 2023, that is absolutely absurd. The Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns are going to make some noise in 2023 in the world of college softball. We're up up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, you can use it to listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana, and it's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. I'm going to be as nice as I possibly can to the Brooklyn Nets because, to put it lightly, they got their ass waxed last night to the Boston Celtics. And that's that's putting it lightly. 139. To 96. Like, Matt, they, they struggled to shoot from the floor. The Nets, they struggled. Do you know how long it took for them to make their second made basket? How long? It took them six and a half minutes. They didn't make their second made basket until the 5.30 mark of the first quarter. I'm just looking at, at some of the numbers. I'm, and <laughs> I was going to... Oh, boy. they were The Celtics were up by 30 at the end of the first quarter. Like I, I'm just looking at some of the statistics. And you know the phrase, the only way to get out of a slump is to shoot your way out of it, correct? Yeah. Like, you're eventually going to make these shots. You're a professional for a reason. But there comes a point when you're chilling at, I don't know, 7 of 30 from downtown that you should probably adjust the game plan to where you're not shooting so many threes. Just just a thought process. But no, you ended up continuing by finishing 9 of 39. What? You didn't even make 25% of your threes? You're an NBA franchise. Celtics made their first eight or nine three-point attempts. You have a Curry in your starting lineup. You also have a Kyrie. And you couldn't make more than nine threes? You know how we were complimenting their defense yesterday at the end of the show? Mm-hmm. It wasn't there. It wasn't there <laughs> It last was night. not there. Because I'm a- I was watching, and there were multiple times... When I saw Dayron Pierce just do nothing, and their the, their backup center, he would just sit. I remember Malcolm Brogdon. He was just they were passing it in, and it was on their side of the court. Malcolm Brogdon looked at Al Horford in the corner because Dayron Dayron was doing this. He was just like looking ahead at the other side of the court, just looking at everybody else. Al was on his left side, wasn't even paying attention. Looked over and he was like. Oh well, it was Look, just a wide open three for Al Horford, and and there were multiple times where guys just made cuts, and the Celtics players it took them a, it took them a hot second to make that pass to the wide open person in the paint, but it was like it was so long that they were not even looking at the paint. It was concerning. I'm like, what are you doing, James? The best plus minus on the Nets team last night was minus one by a guy that played 12 minutes. Shout out Edmund Summer. 
a second-round pick out of Xavier. He was drafted by New Orleans, actually. Minus one. Kyrie Irving had a plus-minus of negative 31. Excuse me? You know what that is? That's Kyrie trying to convince people that the earth is flat. That's what that got you. A minus 31 on national television. Oh, whether you had Kevin Durant or not, that is trash. Getting to this really quickly because we haven't gotten to it yet. The foodie poll question today. What's your best part of the crawfish bowl that isn't the crawfish? A Dr. Pepper. Oh, my God. I'm, ser- I'm serious. This dude so loves no, Dr. Pepper. I, I do love Dr. Pepper, but I'm going to tell you. You're a freak for Dr. Pepper. There is nothing better than a Dr. Pepper <laughs> with crawfish. <laughs> nothing better. Okay, other than your Dr. Pepper, looking at the four, because it's sausage, Bold, onions, potatoes, and corn. None of those. Boiled mushrooms. Oh, my God. Okay, that's fair. Cause Boiled mushrooms. Not a lot of people actually like boiled mushrooms. Oh, no, if you do it right. Cool, man. Or not a lot of people really like mushrooms. I love mushrooms. I'm surprised you actually went with that as an answer. Oh, yeah. Best part. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we're going to kick it off with Tyler Batiste of The Athletic. Talk all things NBA right here on Crunch Time. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we recapped the top stories in sports. We spent more time than anyone probably wanted us to talking about the Pro Bowl. And we had a Raging Cajun softball preview with the head coach, Jerry Glasgow. Here in our number two, we're going to preview some college basketball from McNeese to the Cajuns to LSU and everyone in between. But first, we'll talk all things NBA. Can the Pelicans put themselves back in the win column some way, somehow? Please. Tyler Batiste, the managing editor of the Athletic NBA, joins us on the game hotline. Tyler, what's going on, my man? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Uh, doing well. So, you know, talking about, we'll start with the Pelicans. You know, it a month ago, tied with the Denver, Denver Nuggets for first place in the in the Western Conference, and now on a nine-game losing streak, and you're sitting at 10. What? I mean, I, the obvious answer here is, you know, B.I. just coming back from injury, Zion still being out. But outside of that, what's going wrong for the Pelicans? I mean, it's bad luck, right? Uh, it's, there's really not kind of a secret answer other than uh, the two things that you mentioned, Zion being out, uh, Brandon Ingram obviously having the toe injury, and just coming back recently, um, that's that's the majority of their problems. And it's kind of unfair to kind of uh, expect them to sort of compete when those two guys – um, haven't been the all-star level. Um, obviously, Zion not playing at all, and and Brandon Ingram still working back to kind of that all-star level. It's it's a tough position to be in. The benefit that they have um, is 
the the kind of traffic jam that is the Western Conference right now. You mentioned them being 10th. They're two games out of 13th, but they're also two games out of fourth place in home court in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, so you kind of look around and, 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 and see that a lot of these other teams are, are hovering around the 25, 26, 27 win mark um, and having kind of that, that trump card in Zion Williamson, who is expected to come back at some point, has proven when he played this season that he's still um, a, a unique force in the league with what he can do in the paint and inside the arc and just how dominant of an offensive player he is. You kind of have that in your back pocket and, and hoping that this kind of traffic jam situation continues to present itself and, and, and t- teams don't really break away from the pack because knowing that once Zion, once Zion comes back and you kind of have your full team, fingers crossed together, that you can make some noise. So. Um, it's a really tough situation for them to be in, and, and I think the biggest culprit is, is just bad luck at this point. You know, looking at their matchup tonight with the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic coming off a 53-point game, surprise, surprise, right? You know, you, 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 look at the, <laughs> you look at the way Luka's played, not only this year, but so far throughout his entire career in the NBA, there's no way Luka scores 53 again, Right. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go <laughs> right. say that. Who knows? <laughs> you know, back these back-to-back 50-point games don't happen that often. But um, you look at the way the league uh, um, individual players have, have put up numbers this season. Giannis, uh, Damian Lillard going for for 60 uh, recently. Donovan Mitchell, of course, uh, even, even getting uh, to the 71-point mark, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the way that these kind of offensive forces are scoring, I, I wouldn't put any money on. Anybody of Luka Doncic's uh, uh, you know skill set um, not getting fifty, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to happen. But if I were a betting man, uh, I, you know you could probably win a fair amount of money if that hits. So I'm not going to say that it's not possible, man. Uh, for the Pelicans' sake, you kind of hope that it's not. You know, looking at the NBA as a whole, one one game, especially from last night, that really jumps off the page is the one thirty nine to ninety six win by the Boston Celtics over the Brooklyn Nets. Now, you know, I know the Nets didn't have KD, but, I mean, you didn't even score 100. And, you you know, the storyline behind the Brooklyn Nets is how well their defense has been playing this year. They gave up 140. Yeah, yeah, they did. And, and I mean, you're going against uh, the best team in the NBA. That's a, that's a tough position to be in. Um, the East, I think, is just not obviously not as bunched up as the West, but you look at those top four teams, I think they're all pretty – um, close when they're all at full strength. You mentioned uh, Brooklyn not having Kevin Durant. Um, I know a lot of people like to rag on Ben Simmons as well, but uh, you know he won't shoot the ball. He doesn't score, um, but he does everything else that you want on a basketball court when it comes to uh, defense, rebounding, um, uh, passing, playmaking. You just think you you just like to see him kind of sacrifice that stuff to be a little bit more aggressive um, when it comes to scoring the basketball. Um, Brooklyn, I think, has lost to Boston 10 times in a row now, if I'm not mistaken. They obviously have their number. Um, it happened in the playoffs last year um, when they were swept, and obviously the way that the Nets went out led to the entire offseason of uh, Kevin Durant's trade ultimatum and, and, and Kyrie Irving's uh, you know, uh, kind of decision about whether he's going to be extended and everything going on with him. I think the Nets are still um, at full strength, one of the better teams in the East. Um, I, I think the East is going to be when Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn are all playing at their best, I mean, um, uh, assuming that's the Final Four, that's going to be some really, really fun basketball, some really fun matchups to watch. Um, just looking at what's happened recently, you just hope that it's not Brooklyn and Boston because of the way that the Celtics have had their number. 
Tyler, is there is there a team, you know, either in the East or the West that's kind of hanging around the middle of the standings, you know, five through ten, that you're looking at that they could really make a run once, you know, somebody gets healthy or or they put pieces together? Yeah, I mean, this might be cliche to say, but uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Golden State is is seven right now, um, and they're only, you know, a game and a half out of fourth place. Um, they, they're the defending champions. They still have Stephen Curry. They still have Clay Thompson, who can get hot. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, we saw what he did in the playoffs last year. They've got the, the core of what is a championship team, and, and I think if, if they're kind of hovering in that playoff game or playing tournament range or maybe the, the five or six seed, that's definitely – a team that, uh, you know, a, a younger squad like Sacramento or Minnesota wouldn't want to see in the playoffs because once Steph Curry and those guys get, get, it, get it rolling, and again, because the West is so bunched up, um, getting it rolling could mean the difference between 10th and, and 4th. So they have a good week or two. Uh, you know, they're right back in the thick of the playoff race, and I don't think any team um, would want to see them out West. Over in the East, um, you know, people are talking about, obviously, the Nets and, and the Celtics. But I, I still think the Sixers are, are – um, when they're playing, uh, when they're rolling, when when Joel Embiid is healthy, when James Harden is 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 kind of in playmaking mode, they 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 might be, um, you know, the second best team in the East besides besides Boston. I think the fact that Tyrese Maxey has done a lot for them, coming off the bench and being able to score when needed, also to be a playmaker, um, has really helped their their bench unit. Anthony Milton um, has been a really good defender and kind of takes some of the pressure off of James Harden from having to, you know, be that 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 main one on one wing defender for them. And and Joel and B, um, you know, when he's going and he's healthy, there's not really anybody out east um, who can really match up with him. Robert Williams on the Celtics is, is a really good player, but he's still obviously coming back from injury that he that he suffered uh over the past few months. So um if Embiid is healthy, that's gonna be a really tough team. I know they're third and they're not in that you know, four to ten range, but that's going to be a really tough out for whoever gets matched up with the Sixers. Tyler Batiste, the managing editor of The Athletic, joining us here on Crunch Time. Trade deadline's a week away, Tyler. OG and Anobi has kind of been a main topic of conversation in terms of the trade right. deadline with up to seven teams, including the New Orleans Pelicans, interested in his services. You know, what teams, in your opinion, are, are probably most in a buying stage right now? And, and what are some big-name players that we could see that maybe some people aren't talking about yet? Yeah, I mean, I think Ananobi is kind of the guy that everyone is, is talking about. I, I think he's he's sort of a player that, um, you know, he's not necessarily going to guarantee a title, but he's kind of a player who might put a team over the top. Um, you look at a team like Memphis, who, who could probably use a little bit more shooting um, from the wing position, a guy like Ananobi who kind of fits with that timeline of that team with John Morant and and um and Jaron Jackson kind of being you know the, the the missing piece of like a big three type situation down there would be would be a really interesting fit um Kyle Kuzma is a guy who's in Washington obviously they traded uh Rui Achimura to the to the Lakers recently uh presumably to try to uh open up some space for for Kyle Kuzma in an attempt to re-sign him in this offseason he sort of already said that he's going to opt out of his deal if the Wizards get the sense that he's not going to stick around, that's a guy who has championship experience. He was on the Lakers team in 2020 that won a title. He's 27. He's a guy who can score, who can defend uh, bigger players. Um, that's a guy who could really um, help a, a team during a title run as we get to the uh, toward the playoffs. 
Um, and then there are other players, you know, uh, Bohan Bogdanovich with the Pistons, who's kind of a, a score um, shooter. Doesn't do a whole lot uh, much else, but the Pistons obviously are not that great of a team. They're a younger team, and Bogdanovich is, is already in his mid-30s. That's another guy who might be able to, to kind of, uh, again, not put a team over the top, but but, but you know, kind of you know tighten the screws a little bit for a team that might be contending. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if teams like you know, atop the West, like Denver and, and Memphis, maybe – don't disrupt their core, but they make a, a move or two um, to, to kind of fortify their bench or maybe that seventh, eighth, ninth guy in the rotation to kind of help them for what I'm sure those teams are hoping is a deep playoff run. Two games I'm looking at tonight other than the Pelicans and Mavs is the Grizzlies, like you just mentioned, playing the Cavs and then the Warriors and, and Nuggets. Which game out of those two are you more excited about and how do you like the matchup? Uh, you know, uh, Memphis and Cleveland because you've got uh, – Two of the better point guards in the league, and John Morant and Donovan Mitchell. Um, uh, two guys who, who you know, are, are well, Donovan Mitchell, who's kind of in a new situation, and obviously John Morant, well, with what he's been doing in Memphis. Um, it's good to kind of have those 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 matchups like that, and it's it's a lot more fun when you know the players are going to uh, be guarding each other a little bit. Uh, you know what I mean? It's not like football where people always talk about these two quarterbacks, but they never have to defend each other. They never have to try to stop the other one from scoring. Um, it's good because you know John Morant and, and Donovan Mitchell are going to see a lot of each other, and that's going to be a really, really exciting matchup. I, I love you know when young point guards are just going at it, and you know those two guys are are two guys that they don't want the other person to show them up, right? They're going to try to go out there and and and, and go for the kill if, if if they can. So that's a really exciting uh, matchup to watch. Also, I think uh, Clippers and, and the Clippers and the Bucks are tonight, which could very well be a, a you know a finals preview. Um, the Clippers are that fourth seed in the West the, the past few weeks. They've had Kawhi Leonard, they've had Paul George, uh, and they've kind of shown what that team can be when um, when healthy. So that should be another interesting game to watch uh, for the basketball fans out there. Tyler Batiste, the managing editor of The Athletic. Tyler, before you run, you're a Lafayette native. Have you had a king cake yet? <laughs> you know what? I've got a friend's, uh, a friend's mom who usually tries to ship me one up to Pittsburgh. Uh, she hasn't done it this year yet, but I'm going to be down there. Uh, as I texted you earlier, I'll be down there next Saturday um, on the 11th, and I'm going to try to get one in uh, before I, I, I get my Mardi Gras in. So not quite yet, but if it doesn't happen in those uh, you know, five or six days I'm in Lafayette, and something has gone uh, terribly wrong. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, you, you couldn't you couldn't call yourself a Cajun anymore if you didn't get a king cake while you were here. No, no, I don't think I don't. I think I'd have to change my last name from Baptiste if, if that happens. So. <laughs> Tyler Baptiste, the managing editor of the Athletic, joining us here on Crunch Time. Tyler, appreciate your time as always, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Thanks for having me. And there he goes. We'll take a timeout when we return. James Mesh and I will start previewing college basketball. We'll talk LSU versus Georgia, the Cajuns versus Texas State, and McNeese and Lamar right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you need help taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the game clubhouse. Score $150 to Mr. Lester Steakhouse Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort, $50 to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort. 
You can only score these great prizes to help with Valentine's Day, however, by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 519, almost 520 here on your Thursday edition of Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, you asked me before we ended hour number one. My favorite part of the crawfish boil. Let's get into this. What is your favorite part of a crawfish boil? Outside of the crawfish, man, I'm I'm really torn between a good old potato and the onions. Like having a whole onion, man, that's so tough. Oh, yeah, tough. the whole onion. It's so tough. Oh, man. And, and you know what else is tough? The breath that you get after eating that onion. Oh, dude, it's rough. But it's, 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 rough. it's worth it. It's fine. It is worth it. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn between the two. It's like a 1A, 1B and you situation. Know a, yeah, and you know what's a weird concept? So I've seen people put sausage mm-hmm. in their crawfish bowl, and I'm good with that. I order sausage at crawfish places all the time. Are you going to talk about how some people put Brussels sprouts? Well, that's strange. Boudin. I've seen people boil boudin in their crawfish. I have no issue with that. It's just strange. It's it's not something that you would see every time, but I have no issue with somebody doing that. That's just strange. You're, you're boiling wrapped rice. It's just a little weird. I mean, I'm sure it tastes good. I've never had it, but I'm sure it tastes good. Get a little extra kick. It's just... You already got the boudin flavor, and then you also get the crawfish bowl flavor. You see, that's too That's too much. That's, that's too, too much, much going That's too on. much for you? That's too much going on. Oh, dude, that sounds like a great I either, time. I either want crawfish or I, either, or I want boudin. I don't know that I want crawfish-flavored boudin, although I really like the seafood boudin from Don's, so maybe... Maybe it might. Maybe, maybe you're overreacting. Bad. Maybe I am overreacting. I do that a lot. Well, I've noticed. I do that a lot. Um, you get very emotionally invested. Yeah, and you can blame my mother for that. <laughs> Jeez. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh my god, mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm joking. So you know, we, we talked about the NBA a little bit with, with Tyler Batiste just now. One game that that I brought up with him that I'm really interested in, James. Is the Memphis Grizzlies and the Cleveland Cavaliers? I mean, it's a pretty nice matchup. That's going to be such a great game. Ja Morant, Donovan Mitchell. I really like the player that Jared Allen is at the center spot. Uh, Darius Garland's had a nice season so far as well. And then, you know, you look at Steven Adams and Dylan Brooks for the Grizzlies. They're hoping to get Jaron Jackson Jr. back tonight. He's currently listed as day-to-day. But the Grizzlies... On a little bit of a skid right now. They've lost four of their last five. They're looking to really get back on the right track. They're on the road once again tonight in Cleveland. Cleveland is a six-point favorite in this one. James, what stands out to you about that matchup between the Grizzlies and the Cavaliers in the NBA? I mean, initially looking at it, just the point guard matchup, of course. Yep. You you love seeing John Morant because so many people are in love with him. And then seeing Donovan Mitchell leave the Jazz – and then to go play for the Cavs, where they had already a lot of young talent, it's just become a really good team that is going to be scary 
throughout the playoffs. That's that's one team. It's kind of like how we were talking about how the Pels are a team that nobody in the West would want to see. It's the same thing with to me the Cavaliers. Yeah. If I'm the Celtics, I don't necessarily want to see them until like until like the conference round, the conference championship. Yeah, you know, Jaws kind of that player where people look at that draft class and go, but the Pelicans have been better off drafting Ja than Zion. And that's a hard comparison to make. Because here's the thing. They're two completely different players. And yes, Ja has been healthy for the majority of his career. But uh, Zion Williamson is a generational talent. When he's healthy, which has been the problem. James, do you think or have ever thought that the Pelicans would have been better off picking Ja rather than Zion? I mean, would it be cool? Of course. But at the time, that would have been kind of a weird situation to have to go through because neither of your guards, because you still had Lonzo Ball at the time. Yeah, you did. You didn't really need a point guard at that time. You didn't need that. You wanted somebody that could flash and that could help you at the forward position. And and that's and that was Zion. And it still is Zion. Zion still I don't regret the Pelicans drafting Zion. It's just we, we talk all the time about the best ability is availability. And Zion hasn't been very available so far in, in his career. But you know, looking at college basketball, we're we're gonna get into that here this segment and the following segment. At the start of the second quarter. The Raging Cajuns and the Warhawks deadlocked at 10 apiece. The Cajuns led by Alicia Blanton with six points, while Carrie Manuel leads the UL, Caitlin Manuel, excuse me, leads ULM with two points. She is a Lawtel native, so St. Landry Parish representing back in Acadiana. Looking at a score update for McNeese and Lamar women. That game inside the Legacy Center tonight over in Lake Charles. 124 left in the first quarter. Lamar leading the Cowgirls 12-10. to 10. McNeese led in the scoring column by Callie Chamberlain with five points, two rebounds, and one assist. We'll keep you updated throughout the rest of today's show with score updates from both of those matchups. But the game hotline is 337-706-0111 if you want to get in phone lines are wide open for the remainder of the show. James, you looked like you wanted to say something. Tamara's kind of struggling at the moment. Yeah, she's, three. she's struggling tonight. Uh, but, you know, she's she's really been the, the workhorse kind of carrying the Cajuns recently with Lene Wheaton struggling with some injuries. I mean, you look at the two games they were on the road this past week. She had 11 against Georgia Southern. That was the game Lene got hurt. And then Lene had to miss the game against App State, so Tamara stepped up with 22. So, you know, when you need her, she really steps up. But, yeah, struggling to, to start off tonight. Hopefully she can get back on track for Gary Broadhead's group. Looking at the men's side of things, though, we talked about the Cajuns a little bit earlier. 18-4 and four now, 8-2 and two in the Sun Belt. They're on an eight-game win streak, and they're going to put that streak on the line tonight against Texas State, who comes in 11-12, and 4-6 in the Sun Belt. But here's the problem. Not the scariest record overall. But here's the problem. They've played each other already this year. And the Cajuns won. It was part of this eight-game win streak. They went over to San Marcos and beat the Bobcats 60-51. to And the difference maker for the Bobcats is Mason Harrell, their point guard. He's averaging 16.2 points per game. He's a fifth-year senior that has played 
He has started most of his career at Texas State, and he is just struggling with injuries lately. He has not played since January the 19th. They are hoping to get him back tonight. Uh, last I heard, it was still up in the air. Uh, so will he play tonight for Texas State? Not sure. But I can tell you this. After watching the kid play multiple times over the last five years, if he does play, this game be instantly becomes incredibly interesting. The way he is able to see the floor, knock down open shots, he's great at the free throw line, shooting 83% from the line so far this year. He's the difference maker for the Bobcats. Now you look at the, the spread right now, the Cajuns are a nine-point favorite with an over-under of 134. James, you taking that action? Mm. Nine? Nine. That's a, a lot. Nine's a tough number. That's a lot in college basketball. But here's the thing. Cajuns could be up like five, and then that's whenever you start seeing like fouls potentially by Texas State. And then if you just start knocking down your free throws, you could raise it to a nine, ten-point game. Yeah. That's you, that's what that's what makes bas- college basketball so tough and basketball in general because like they could keep it close throughout the whole game and then last minute oh for sure you you make your last couple shots and you take it away and you win by like ten or eleven you're like well it seemed pretty handily but you're like if you watch the game and like you followed it throughout it was like no this was really back and forth this was a one two possession game throughout the whole contest yeah no for sure for sure. And you know, one one thing we were going back to the the Pelicans conversation with Ja and, and Zion. One thing to note that I've just been reminded of: the original trade offer to the Pels, or or the Pels that they sent to L.A. with Anthony Davis, did not include Lonzo Ball. It did include Kyle Kuzma. What if you would have gotten Kyle Kuzma? And look, I love Zion. I am a Zion guy. So I, I don't want anybody to hear this and think, oh, this guy just doesn't like Zion. I love. I have a Zion jersey. I love Zion. What if your starting five would have looked like Ja, mm-hmm. B.I., Lonzo, Josh Hart? Well, Josh Hart wouldn't have been in the starting five. And neither would Drew. This would have been the first year? Correct. Ja, Ingram, Kuzma, Drew Holiday, and then anybody at center. Anybody. Who was, at that oh, time, it was probably... Well, who was, was the it, center was, at Steven time. Adams? Wasn't it Steven Adams at that point? No, it was somebody before. In the 2019 season? I don't remember. I forgot. I'm going to have to look it up real quick. I don't remember. But, I mean, anybody at, at that point... I mean no, that cause, no because the center the center that they had pissed me off because he wasn't very good at defense and he could that barely squad, he could barely put on a putback that squad would have been nasty. Jean Morant's just different. Now don't get me wrong. Zion Williamson when he's healthy, some people call him a unicorn. The dude you just once in a lifetime, never gonna see him again, type of guy. So it's kind of a, you know, six of one, half dozen of another, either way you slice it. Derek Favors. Derek Favors. Was I was not a, a fan. So I was a big fan of the acquisition, but I was not a fan of the on-field, on-field, on on-court performance. 
No. I was a big I was a big fan when we got him, but it didn't pan out. Yeah, I was as the season went along and when right. I saw him in the bubble, I'm like, just get this guy out of here. Yeah. It, it <laughs> Please def- take him it, out. It Go get somebody else. It definitely didn't work out the way the Pelicans had envisioned it to. But uh, we'll take a time out when we return. We'll continue talking college basketball. And we will also recap Mac McMahon's group losing yet again right here on the game. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back here on Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, The Game Hotline is 337-706-0111. That's 706-0111. Looking at some of the comments on the poll question of the day, what is the best part of the crawfish boil that isn't the crawfish? So far, 45% say the potato, 26% say sausage, 22% say corn, and the other 5 or 6% going to the onion. Crazy enough, I'm not a huge sausage guy. I'm not I'm not absolutely huge on it. In in the crawfish boil is it's just different. It's just different. I don't know, it's weird. And and it's, you get you get the crawfish boil juices on the it, on. It, it's it's funny because every time I go to a crawfish restaurant and I order crawfish, they charge like three dollars for the sausage link, and I'm just like, I don't care. Put it in there. I want it. I I pay extra for it every time. But no, looking at some of the comments, Salty Steve says, if baby potatoes isn't the answer, you are not part of Cajun country. I mean, okay, okay, fine. Ralph says, the dip, except for onions, I like them all, but the sausage has to be good quality. As a Catholic, always the conundrum of a Friday crawfish boil with sausage staring at you. We have crawfish boudin. Where's the crawfish smoked sausage? Mm, That's fair. Voted potato, but like John Paul said, mushrooms for the win. Stop thinking like me. It's freaking me out, man. That was from Ton. JK says, leftover crawfish boiled potatoes with cheese, bacon, butter, and ranch. Best hangover relief gut bomb ever. That was a lot. But that does sound really good. (laughs) And looking at the picture, there's a lot going on. But it looks, I want to eat it. I I want to I want to taste it. So I, and I guess that's the point, right? As long as you, as long as you look at a picture of a meal that you want to taste. Oh, it's it's secondhand eating, right? Right. Tan with with the with the great. So one one thing I have loved about Tan is that he has a friend. I'm not going to get too much into Tan's business, but he has a friend that has joined Twitter to to keep up with him. And Tan tagged this person in his tweet and said, Roses are red, crawfish are too. I want to go to a crawfish boil with you. Oh, oh, that's a great pickup line. That's great. That is A1, Cajun to the max. That is how you get a down-home South Louisiana Cajun woman. Take her to a crawfish boil. Oh, let me write that down on my notes real quick. Yeah, I was about to say, you might want to screenshot that one. I'm, I'm getting a spam call. That's, I have to avoid that. That's that's pretty 
That's pretty fantastic. Screenshot that. I, I, make I'm a, it easy. I'm gonna read it again in case you want to write it down. Roses are red. Crawfish are two. I want to go to a crawfish boil with you. Poetic. It's poetic. It, it really is. Call us up on the game hotline three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. Going to the LSU Tigers now. I. It's getting to the point where you you start to feel bad because watching a team that you know has talent and potential. Well, to be fair, at this point, you look at this team and you're just ready for next season. Well, right. But you it's get, not that you necessarily feel bad. You're just like, I've just can we get to twenty twenty four? Like can 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 or they just can we get to can can, can they, we get just, can they just get win, to next season? Can they just win a game? Like Nine, you, felt, you felt like Texas Tech was a good opportunity. It was. It was. And you let it slip away. And then you tried to make a comeback against Missouri last night. You let that slip away too. And then you just, just couldn't do and it. And now you're on a nine-game losing skid. And guess who you play on Saturday, Jamesy boy? The Alabama Crimson Tide. Oh, the Alabama Crimson Tide led by Brandon Miller, who... If you have never watched Brandon Miller play basketball, it is a sight to behold. That young man averaging 19 points per game for the Crimson Tide, also eight rebounds and an assist. His last game against LSU, he had nine boards, one assist, and 31 points. So he is chomping at the bit. To get back to playing the Tigers again, the freshman, six foot nine, two hundred pounds, going to be a top prospect in college basketball. But James, speaking of Alabama, we're talking about big wins. Did you see what they did to Vanderbilt on Tuesday night? One oh one to forty four. Brandon Miller had twenty two points in that game. One oh one to forty four. That is just despicable. That is a despicable act. Score update, college basketball, McNeese and Lamar, 339 left in the first half. Lamar has extended their lead, outscoring McNeese 16-8 so far in the second quarter. They lead 31-19 with 339 remaining in the first half. Let's look at the men's matchup in that game tonight with Lamar and McNeese. Both teams struggling. Both teams are going to come into the game 2-7 and seven. In the Sun in the Southland Conference, excuse me. McNeese five and seventeen. Lamar six and sixteen. Uh McNeese is a ten point favorite in this contest, James. Christian Shoemate leading the way for them with twelve points per game, nine rebounds, and then Trey English has three and a half assists a game so far on the season. Lamar losing four of their last five. McNeese losing their last five. They both teams could use a win tonight inside the Legacy Center. But, you know, when you go back and look at McNeese's two Southland wins so far this season, one of them came against Lamar. They've actually played Lamar twice this year, and they've won both matchups. The first one, though, was just a non-conference game. It wasn't ruled a conference game because it was before the conference schedule could begin. Um, So they've only played each other one time in conference play, which was an 81-62 to win on New Year's Eve. So if you're McNeese, you have to be feeling good about your chances. But then again, on the other side, if you're Lamar, 
You feel like third third time's you're a charm. Si- you're sitting there in that locker room going, not only is third time a charm, but it's really hard for a team to beat you three times. Yeah, you, you talk about that. <laughs> well, we, we've seen it in football. Where Burrowhead. Oh, four, to- four times a charm with that one. And then just like when it came to the Eagles and the Giants, it was like, oh, maybe maybe the Giants have a chance. No, 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 no. Eagles won all three times. Yeah, yeah. like you, you, you think you would think it's a nice theory, but it's almost becoming like a myth at this point. It's like beating a, a team three times. If if they just have your number, they just have your number. Yeah, no, it's it's accurate. So so if you're the if you're the McNeese Cowboys, and you're John Aiken, you feel good. It's like you haven't had that great of a season, but you're like, this feels like the team that you have the best chance of beating. And Christian Shoemates had a nice stretch of games, 18, 18, and 15 points respectively in their last three matchups. Uh, so definitely hoping for another good Christian Shoemate performance and they can get a win tonight inside the Legacy Center. Tip-off in that one is set for 7.30. Checking in on the Cajun women, it is 24-20 at the half. Alicia Blanton still leads all scorers with 10 points at the break, a perfect 4-for-4 four four from the field, and then 2-for-2 two two from the free-throw line. The Cajuns once again playing without the services of guard Lene Wheaton tonight inside the Cajun Dome. The Cajuns looking to extend their winning streak, now sitting at 13-9 and nine on the season. They're 7-3 and three in the Sun Belt, and currently on a four-game win streak. Interesting stat to look at the women's game so far for the Cajuns. UL Monroe has not taken a shot behind the arc yet. That is interesting. So it's a 0%. Correct. Funny enough, Cajuns are 0 for 5 from three-point range, so they also have 0% three-point Beyond the arc has not been a strong suit for Gary Broadhead's group so far this year. No, it really hasn't. It's not something that you would really look towards. And even at halftime right now, there's been 21 total turnovers. Man, that's which is which which this is the not so good three point shooting along with the amount of turnovers has pretty much led to this kind of low scoring yeah. affair so no, far at halftime. And you know, looking at their schedule, they would have loved to have the games this weekend be inverted because man, they're only gonna have one day to prepare for Troy. That's tough. Troy has dominated the women's division of the Sunbelt Conference the last couple of years, winning three of the last five tournament championships in the Sun Belt, they have been dominant as of late. Uh, the Cajuns fell to them earlier this year by seven in overtime, so they are looking to get some revenge on Saturday inside the Cajun Dome. That one is a 2 o'clock tip-off for Gary Broadhead's group. Tomorrow on, on tomorrow's edition of Crunch Time, we will bring you a recap of both McNeese games tonight and so much more. We'll take a time out here, wrap up today's show right after this with a preview of LSU and Georgia right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Tomorrow morning, score a $50 voucher to the Golf Connection for only $25. $50 to the Golf Connection, and you can get it for half price. Visit AcadianaDeals.com tomorrow to score $50 to the Golf Connection for only $25. 
from the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 551, 552 now. Wrapping up today's show. Let's get to the LSU Fighting Tigers women's side of things. Third in the country, 21-0, 9-0 in the SEC. They host the 15-8 Georgia Lady Bulldogs tonight inside Pete's Palace. James, you know, we, we've jokingly discussed this question here before. Is LSU ever going to lose? I don't know when, but I don't think it's anytime soon. I mean, the soonest would be next Sunday against South Carolina. And it's like, even then, I still believe in this girl squad. Like, this this group is... You start, I don't, with, you start I, with Angel Reese. I, I really don't know who's going to stop them. Because your best bet would be South Carolina, but to me... I still feel really good about LSU, so at this point, I don't know who would stop them unless they get to like the Final Four. And and here's my thing. You look at this team. You start with Angel Reese. She's mm-hmm. the best player on the floor. Yes. But if she's off... You can still go to Alexis Morris. Alexis Morris. When she's off, you go to Jasmine Carson or Flauge Johnson. You've got four, at least four, dependable scoring options on this team that can step up in big ways at any time. And it's just been so impressive to see what Kim Mulkey has been able to do just in two years in Baton Rouge. Keep in mind, you ready for this statistic, James? And we're not even done with that second She's year. coached 53 games at LSU. I think she's lost five of them. She's 47-6 and six in 53 games at LSU. Disgusting. Oh, and, and you want to talk about how good this team is? Keep in mind, they've got the number one high school recruit in America coming into Baton Rouge next year. Oh, and and by the way, if you needed more proof about how good this team is, Angel Reese is only a sophomore, so she'll be back next year. Um, because because there's no, you know, leaving early in women's college basketball. Most of the time, you stay at least three, maybe four years. Um, but I mean. What a squad that Kim Mulkey has put together. And, you know, you look at Georgia. Georgia's not a bad team either. They've got wins over Missouri. they got a big win over Mississippi State just a couple of nights ago. Uh, they hung with Tennessee. They hung with Texas A&M. And, you know, looking at Tennessee, Tennessee's not a bad squad either. That is a really good group that LSU just beat the other night. Um, you know, I think Alexis Morris could have another big game tonight. I think Angel Reese bounces back and has a much better night tonight than she did on Monday. It finished well, but at least the first half was was a little bit of a struggle for her. Uh, and personally, I, I think LSU is 22-0 and by the time we talk again tomorrow. Now, look, the Georgia Bulldogs, they're, they're a good team. They're a good team. They're 15-8. and However, once we've gotten into SEC play for them, they're only 4-5. and Mm-hmm. They've really struggled. They lost to Alabama, lost to number one South Carolina. They were able to beat Kentucky and Florida, sure. But then they went on a three-game losing streak, losing to Ole Miss, Tennessee, and then Texas A&M. They won their last two, but still four and five overall. And now you got to play the, at worst, number two team in LSU mm-hmm. right now. 
at worst. Yep. So, I don't, like I almost feel like I'm dissing the LSU Tigers right now. And and look, you you look at their matchup with South Carolina about a month ago now, pretty respectable. I mean, sixty eight to fifty one, you hung with them for for most of the game. I mean, you were winning by three at the half. Georgia was they were they were beating South Carolina by three at the half, but then you got outscored forty two to twenty two in the second half, and, and South Carolina just kind of put you away. This is going to be a good matchup again. Credit to Georgia; they're a good squad. I just don't think they've got the dogs, pun intended. There, <laughs> got them to keep up with with Kim Mulkey's group tonight. So LSU is twenty two and zero when we talk tomorrow. Hopefully, they'll be twenty four and zero when they head into that massive matchup next Sunday with South Carolina up in Columbia. That's going to just about do it for today's edition of Crunch Time here on the game. Catch that LSU women's basketball game here on our airwaves. 7 o'clock tip pregame at 6.30. Also, go vote on that poll question if you haven't yet. Absolutely. What's the best part of a crawfish boil that isn't the crawfish? We definitely want to know. Even though we're off the air, we still check our poll questions. So definitely get your votes in if you haven't yet. Tomorrow, Jim Gazzolo joins us. Ben Upton will talk college baseball some more. Jake Crane And we'll get a preview of that dominant basketball matchup Saturday night when the Cajun Chicken returns to the Cajun Dome between Louisiana and Marshall here on Crunch Time. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we are back tomorrow, same time, 4 to 6. Same station right here on The Game. It's 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. You'll get 30 minutes of the Zach Gelb show before we turn it over to Patrick Wright, the voice of the LSU women's basketball team, as LSU takes on Georgia inside Pete's Palace.